Grab a cup of coffee, a notepad, and a pen. Coffee's for closers only. It's time to talk marketing. Stick around, pal. I still got a lot to teach you. Each week, we bring you some of the best marketing conversations with entrepreneurs who are outthinking, outperforming, and out-earning their competition. No frills, no fluff. And now your host, Jonathan Taylor. All right, welcome back to the show this week. I'm your host, Jonathan Taylor. This week, I have Paul Burke joining me on the show. He is the founder and CEO of RentHoop. Now, RentHoop is a mobile app service that NBC News, MTV, and USA Today uh, have described as the Tinder for finding roommates. We're going to be talking about uh, Paul's startup today on the show and also his background as an entrepreneur. He's going to be sharing some really cool lessons on how to get started if you're developing an app, how you put a team together, how you can get this done relatively soon. And you don't have to have five, six figures in the bank to, uh, to put this together. He's going to be sharing some lessons on really how you present this, how you pitch people on the idea, get them going and really uh, build your team around this, people that really believe in what you're doing. And uh, so I'm really pleased to have Paul on the show to share some lessons today. And, and uh, Paul, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, really excited to be on the show, Jonathan. Love your guys' show. Uh, super excited to be here with you. You're 24 years old, so you uh, you got to take me through this. Is this something that uh, have you always been kind of the entrepreneur minded uh, person? Have you uh, did you spend any time going to school or uh, like a lot of young people your age? Have you decided that the path to your success is not going to be through a college degree, but through entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, so I I'm convinced if. I, so I did go to college. I went for four years at a Western Washington University up in uh, Bellingham, Washington, and I got my degree in uh, marketing and economics. And I got a, a really good education. Um, you know, I had a really couple of really uh, good professors who taught me a lot about marketing and I, I would say um, life in general. Um, I'm convinced if I did not go the college route, I would somehow be a millionaire today. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how, but I'm just convinced of it. Um, I've always had entrepreneurship in, in my blood, and uh, I was doing things like selling uh, silly putty out of my backpack in third grade. Um, <laughs> that wasn't as successful, but uh, in junior high, um, they closed down the, the soda and the pop machines and started putting granola and, and things that, you know, were healthy for kids. And so I started bringing um, ice cold soda and uh, candy <laughs> in my backpack to school. That's fantastic. And the backpack would be, sometimes it'd be super heavy, like if it was a nice day and, you know, you have all those cans of soda um, and I would just lug it into my locker and I'd have 10, 15 cans. And it was pretty much what I did every day for a year and a half um, at lunch. Um, after school on the bus um, and I think that was kind of how I got started and nobody really told me to do it but it was just really fun and it felt super natural so um, I did things like that kind of going through um, high school I did DECA which um, I'd recommend for any any business-minded uh, student um, and um, yeah that's kind of how it all started for me. 
You know, I find that most people that join me on the show, if you go back in their background, they have a similar pattern to where even as a, at a young age, they were always thinking in terms of, okay, how can I monetize this or how can I <laughs> turn this into a business or where's their opportunity for me to uh, fill a void? Just like, you know, bringing sodas to school. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and making, making a few bucks off of that, there's always something that they're thinking around. And I was the same way, you know, in a way that you're just trying to say, okay, uh, where's there a need and how can I feel that need? And I find that most entrepreneurs like that, they, there's a pattern throughout their life where they've started out even at a young age looking for, uh, areas or opportunities that they can fill. Yeah, and I've I, I have a few buddies who are entrepreneurs too who I've met over the years, and it, it seems like there's just kind of like this natural scratch to itch, uh, like a curiosity, um, and I it's it's pretty common among pretty much every entrepreneur I know. Uh, really, there's no like I'd say logical reason to do it. It's just like, hey, I want to do it. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's just one of those things where you're always you know you're thinking. Uh, you know, how can I provide some type of value that people will pay for where there's a need that they want? You know, I've always heard, you know, the old saying, you can you can make a living giving people what they need, but you can make a fortune giving people what they really want. And really, that's what you've got to do, um, you know, in the marketplace is provide something that people want. Uh, now, take me through kind of what led you to starting this uh, the app Rent Hoop? Because this is something new. It's it's obviously it's 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 somewhat new off the ground that you've launched just in the past year. Uh, kind of lead me or take us through what led to this startup and um, what you did to kind of promote yourself from there and how um, how you're using this app to help people find out. I mean, is this something that anyone at this point can get on and download the app and and start looking for roommates right away? Yeah, I'll give you uh, the timeline. So it's um, August 2016 as we talk today. Um, that's So two years ago um, this month, I graduated college. And so uh, me and a couple of my college buddies were actually working on what was more of a website. And, you know, we graduated, we were pretty excited. And then a couple months into it, it was one of those things where, uh, people had to get jobs, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things that was not paying the bills yet. And so, um, I had to start from square one in October of 2014. So about a year, 10 or 11 months ago. And I, I'm a marketing and salesperson. Um, and that's what I do. And I had thought about programming, but um, it was apparent to me that I should really double down on my strengths um, because that would be the best way for, for me to build a company. Right. So um, what I did was I didn't have the kind of Tinder for finding roommates. That wasn't even the idea yet. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of trying to formulate that. I had some other ideas that were, um, I'd say, much too confusing. Um, there was too much into it. Um, but what I did was I started talking to developers. I started talking to, uh, them from angel list. Um, and I talked to probably about 15 to 20 of them over a six months, um, over six months from October, 2014 to about April, 2015. And all of them said, no, 
<laughs> and that was um, a, a little discouraging. And, um, you know, I had actually thought about, okay, maybe I should just kind of give this up. Right. And there was um, the last person who I actually had planned to meet with was this woman named Lori. And um, we talked and things went really, really well. And I knew she'd be a good potential partner because she said, you know, hey, I like you. I like your story. Um, Whether this works out or not, um, you know, you can have my code. And I thought, this is the kind of person I want to work with. Sure. Um, I I obviously don't want to take advantage of her and take her code. But, you know, if she's willing to do it for free, if she's willing to do it without knowing if she's going to have a stake in it, um, she's obviously interested in the problem I'm solving. Right. So um, from there, I was able to get a couple other people to work, and we went from there. Um, the development life cycle took a lot longer than I expected. So fast forward pretty much a year after that, and we launched the app on May 2nd uh, nationwide. And so um, from there, the way the app works is that um, – Anybody can use the app in, 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 in America. It's completely free to use. And what you do is you log on with Facebook so we know uh, your picture, um, how old you are, where you went to school, where you work at. And then probably I'd say the biggest feature for uh, me and what a lot of people say is um, we're able to pull your friends from Facebook. So that way if you're searching for roommate in Seattle or Nashville or, Me- or Memphis, you can actually uh, – see other people looking for a roommate who you have mutual friends with. And that's um, a really big change compared to Craigslist to where, uh, you know, it's anonymous. You don't know who, right. you have no validation or verification of who posted it. You have to scroll down. You have to copy the email, paste the email. It's not even their real email. So, yeah. I, I, you know, we're taking something that's traditionally, um, traditionally really annoying, I think is the best word. Mm-hmm. And we're just making it as simple um, and safe and easy to use as possible. So how did, uh, you, let's back up a minute. Cause you said early on in the development process, uh, you had a number of people that turned you down for that. Obviously you finally were able to work with somebody that wanted to do this. I mean, what was their main, uh, what was their main reason for saying, nah, I'm not, not interested. Yeah, I, I think there were a couple reasons. Um, so I, I got a job working at another startup because obviously I had to, you know, pay the bills. I got that job in January. So um, the idea I pitched to them was pretty large. And that's when the concept of MVP was introduced to me. And instead of reinventing the wheel right away, um, that's not a smart thing to to do because it requires a lot of capital right. and a lot of time. And so it's best to start off with like, what's the best product that we can deliver that is not going to take years and years to develop that we can get out as quick as possible. Sure. So, um, once I, I understood that my pitch got five times better. And then once I was working at another startup, um, doing something that I would be doing for the app, which is marketing, um, I had a lot more credibility to stand on. So my pitch kept evolving over time, um, and it kept getting better, but it, I still kept getting no's until 
I met with Lori, and Lori was uh, down to work. That's fantastic. So, yeah, uh, that's something that is very important is your ability to pitch an idea to people that uh, interest them. And sometimes we have a tendency, whether it's we're pitching investors or we're pitching, uh, you know, building a team and, you know, trying to pitch people on the idea of our product or our business when we get started. I mean, sometimes we can say too much. I mean, we can, we can, uh, as I say, throw up way too much on them and, and give them too much or kind of give them too much information instead of really summarizing what we're trying to do and kind of cutting exactly right to the core of what we want to do with this particular business or what, you know, with this particular project. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like, um, you know, sales is such an essential skill, especially if you have a startup. Yep. Because you're constantly either selling your product to people or selling to investors or selling to your co-founders or employees. And um, at the previous startup I, I worked at, I was doing cold calling a uh, hundred times, making a hundred dials a day, uh, talking to um, contractors. And so, kind of like you were saying, when I when I over talked. When I you know gave them more details than necessary, I would never ever make a sale um, because it's just too much. Um, it's best to be concise. It's best to add value to them and show where you want to go. And and for me, working in sales, working in cold calling, um, I feel like gave me a huge edge, um, especially because if you make a hundred cold calls a day, not everyone's going to turn into a sale. Right. So you kind right. of get used to getting rejected and you just <laughs> move on to the next one. And I think that's kind of a huge blessing in disguise. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that's that's got to be some a really good training ground for dealing with rejection. I mean, because I mean, you're looking at an 80 percent chance that you're going to get 80 to 90 percent chance you're getting rejected uh, in, in many cases. So you, you deal with that, but it, you know, obviously it's a numbers game in that, but you learn to hone your ability to make that pitch over time and, uh, and really create the value in that pitch. I think that's great. I think that, that probably was a big part of your success in being able to, uh, bring people on board. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I, I, I think it was for sure. Um, just because you have, you have no, when you have a startup, you have no choice but to move on. Right. And if you, uh, kind of mourn on things for too long, uh, you, you're just going to get burnt out. So having that mentality, um, just cause one person's no or 10 people, the first person's going to say no. Yep. It just means a lot more work to get to. So if you could share some ways that you've been able to kind of get this out in the, the marketplace and really promote it, because that's the real struggle. I mean, you can develop a, a great app. You can ve- develop a good, a great program, a, a great business model. The real success, the lifeblood of any business is in the ability to market and get out there and make sales and promote it. What are some things early on that you guys found that you had to do that you got out and really promoted this app? app to the public. Yeah. So, um, I agree with you hundred percent on that. I've talked to a lot of, um, I, I don't really consider myself a tech entrepreneur. I really consider myself more of a marketing entrepreneur. So when I pitched my co-founders, 
and they were like, okay, I have other people pitching me. Why should I work with you? I told them I will literally handle all the marketing. Right. I will be really good at it because I know how social works. Right. Um, and I'll put myself out there and I'll make sure we get press too. And so um, I think for marketing salespeople uh, trying to work with co-founders uh, or tech developers, um, I think the number one we thing we can do is do the thing that they hate most, which is marketing. <laughs> right. So that was, that, was, that was an appealing pitch that I had. Um, and that, you know, the developers responded to because too many times they're building these really cool products and right. there's no one who can help them get it off the ground Right. and, and they don't want to do it. So, um, as far as what we did to get it off the ground, um, it was finding the audiences that cared and then, um, giving it to them the best way we could. And, and that was free because, you know, I, totally bootstrapped. I'm living at my mom's to, uh, make this work until we, until we do raise around. So, um, what I did was I would find channels on Reddit, uh, school universities. I would find Facebook groups of people who were moving out, looking for roommates, uh, new to the area, that sort of thing. And then also a really powerful tool I had, or I guess anybody has is Twitter search. And so I look up the uh, need roommates and I will message or favorite the tweet of pretty much anyone who has said that in a, in a tweet the last four months. Right. So, um, I did things like that and then, um, getting press was really, really big for us. Mm -hmm. And we, we had a product because of the Tinder, uh, comparison. That's something that is definitely reportable. And so once we got one or two, um, you know, school newspapers, that sort of thing, uh, things really picked up from there and other reporters started catching it. Right. And then that's how we got on the front page of NBC News, which, um, I mean, like drove downloads to the roof, which was, uh, <laughs> I mean, un un unbelievable, but just super cool to to finally see all that work. Kind of no, that's, that's great. I mean, that's what you got to do is a, a unique hook using the, you know, Tinder um, for finding roommates, that was that hook that got, you know, news uh, news reporters uh, or news sites, bloggers or so forth, that, that you've got to do that to capture their interest. Um, I'm wondering, is there any, just curious, you know, using Tinder within that tagline, um, any problem with that from uh, <laughs> from using you know a, a well-known brand you know within your kind of your uh, slogan or within your tagline? Uh, nothing. Uh, I mean, we we haven't heard from Tinder at all. It's been mainly the media that's yeah. dubbed us Tinder for roommates. Okay, cool. Um, we you know I I put some things out there initially, and then I realized that wasn't too good of an idea, so right. I stopped with that. Um, but yeah, no, nothing like that. But like you said, it's, it's reportable. It's yeah. reportable. Yeah. And I think too often when products are being pitched, it's like, look how cool this product is instead of being like, look what this product can do or look how this product is relevant. Right. And that's, that's what we pitch to reporters. Is, um, look how this product is relevant. Tinder has over a hundred people, a hundred million people using the app. Um, kids are going back to school right now. Uh, some still looking for roommates. This is a relevant story to your audience. And so that was the pitch that I gave to 
um, 40 to 50 reporters. Now, how did you develop these pitches? Was this through a uh, a press release that you were putting out uh, online, or were you sending these out individually through to newspapers, uh, online journals, so forth? Uh, if you could maybe share a little bit about, okay, how do you get you know how do you get the news media to pick that up? Absolutely. So what um, so what I did was I uh, built a press release. And I then built uh, an Excel spreadsheet, which listed um, all the reporters, all the publications, phone number, email address, uh, like a CRM so I could track, um, you know, who was reporting on us, who wasn't, right. what was our, uh, where were we at in terms of the uh, communication flow. And so um, from there, what I would do was I would Google roommates or, um, you know, local Seattle newspapers, uh, people who'd have interest in, in covering us. And what I would do is um, either find them on Twitter or go to their contact bio section and copy their email and put it in my spreadsheet and then shoot them uh, a customized email um, later that day. I think the, the goal and, and what I heard and, and what did work best was find, find, find reporters who are already reporting on, on uh, stuff similar to yours. Right. So um, if, if, if uh, let's see, so we had a, a USA Today college one. Mm -hmm. The reporter had already written about a startup um, for college kids. And so I emailed her and said, hey, I know you've already done a story on startups for college kids. Here's another really cool one. Uh, we're making waves. Um, let's let's get this on there. And so it's 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 about being pretty intentional with it, I think. Um, yeah. especially because, uh, you may not get a response the first time. Um, I had to follow up four or five different times, uh, to get a response and it's nothing to take personally because sure. these reporters literally get hundreds of pitches a week. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So each time you email them, add something new um, of value that, that will help them tell a better story. Yeah. And so, um, I'd say important to track, uh, the press sites and, and the, uh, reporters you want to contact, uh, send them a personalized email, um, and then follow up with them four or five times if you have to. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the easier you can make their job, the better. Uh, so if you can, you know, in that press release, if you can really provide a really solid uh, hook in the headline and then, you know, some really interesting content in that press release uh, that really kind of lays it out for them, you know, anything to make their job easier so they're not having to dig, dig, dig. I think that helps. Not that the reporters are lazy. It's just the fact that, like you said, they're getting pitched on so many things. So something's really got to stand out and really intrigue them uh, for them to pick up. Absolutely. And then that's why, you know, each time you follow up, you have to give them something new, something interesting. Right. Um, it can't just be like, hey, just following up with you. That's that's not going to work like <laughs> right. that. You, you want to make their job easy as possible. Sure. Absolutely. And, that, and uh, that's that's the best way to do it. Now, uh, talk to me about the, you mentioned the Twitter. That's interesting. So you were doing, just to clarify, so you were doing kind of a search on Twitter, and I get that, where people maybe uh, hashtag, you know, roommates or searching or, or 
you know, looking for roommates or something like that on Twitter. So you were literally searching for those keywords of people that were in the process of maybe moving, getting ready, looking for roommates, looking to move out to an apartment or something like that. Yep. It was, um, it was something I literally had not thought of until like three days before, um, before we launched the app. And I'm right. super, uh, super grateful. Uh, I, I did find out about it. I, I listened to, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast. Yep. Uh, he talked about that in one episode. And so I tried it out and I realized I could get in front of people who literally need my service right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I'm I'm and I'm the I'm the only one who's building this relationship with them, and they know they can contact me if if uh, you know they need help or if they have problems or if they love the app. And so, um, so what know, was your appro- what, what what was your approach? Uh, so, you you do a, a quick search on Twitter, you find a list of people who have tweeted uh, something in regards to. Uh, looking for roommates or, you know, so forth. How do you go about contacting them and what is your approach when you make contact with that person? Are you immediately uh, introducing yourself and what your app's about and how it can help them? I mean, are you going straight to the point or how do you approach someone like that on Twitter? So what what I do is um, I, I feel like in the mode of communication today, most people, or at least, most millennials, they don't want to be pitched. They don't want to be sold. Right. Um, but, but they do want to buy for sure. They do, they do want to buy, they do want to use products, um, that work, that help them, uh, that make their lives easier. So I would, so, uh, someone's like, I need a roommate, which is a very common tweet. Um, maybe I would say something like, we got you. And, and if you're, if you're dumb, you're maybe wondering like, you, you got me what, but it, it's a little subtle. Like you have to go to our page. You have to, um, see what the app looks like. Ah, okay. Um, it's, it, it's less subtle than, Hey, we have a brand new app for finding roommates. Go on rent.com right. and download it. Right. It's, it's, it's one of those things to where it feels a little bit more personal and that's kind of what, what I want our brand to represent. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really cool when, you know, even when sometimes people don't respond to the tweets, I'll uh, start using the app and I'll be like, oh, I tweeted at that person a couple of days ago. That's cool. So you're saying uh, you're you're doing something like uh, I got you and then what, like maybe a link back just to build their curiosity enough to say, what, what does he mean? You know, what's what, what is this all about? Yeah, I, I've kind of gotten back and forth um, between including the link or not because it, to me, it does seem a little bit more like, I think it, it, that, that's one of those things that's so conversion based and I don't think I'm, I'm there or where they're yet. So right now I'm doing things that just are like fun. Like we got you or uh, the little eye emoji. Mm -hmm. So it'll be like IR app. So pretty simple, straight to the point, but not so in your face to where you, to where we're like, Hey, you need to download this, you know? Yep. And I guess the same goes for you talking about Facebook groups, you know, people are in the Facebook groups, you know, you're not out there pitching inside Facebook groups, but you're trying to be more of someone who can provide uh, a solution. Somebody posts, you know, hey, looking for a roommate in this particular Facebook group. And then that's something where, you know, you can very subtly 
you know, say this might help or here's a solution that, you know, might be useful to you. So you're not really selling. You're just really trying to be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, I, I, yeah, mo- I feel like mo- like it's good to pitch. It's good to sell your product, mm-hmm. but you don't want to push it so hard to where it's obnoxious and spammy. Right. And it's really easy to seem like that on Twitter or Facebook. So kind of like, just like you said, like, I won't be like, you, you absolutely need to use this app. It'll be like, <laughs> Hey, I hope we can be an awesome resource to you. Um, especially because when the app is, is newer, you know, like in Seattle, we're local. So we have a ton of people using the app. Uh, but in Nashville or Memphis, for example, we may not have as many. So I don't want to oversell it and be like, I guarantee this roommate, this app will help you find a roommate when I don't know that for sure. But I want people to know that it's a resource, it's available and, um, it can help them out potentially and hopefully. So do you guys use any kind of direct promotional uh, advertising revenues like Facebook ads or anything like that? I can I could imagine that Facebook ads might be uh, something that you've at least tried out. Has that worked or have you even tried that approach? Uh, so we're, we're bootstrapping it. Um, and we I, I have spent a little bit of money on Facebook ads. Um, it's it's been more for branding purposes sure. um, rather than to drive downloads because um, like if you want to get specific, like on Google AdWords, you know, you find people who search need or looking for a roommate and you bid for keywords and yep. that's pretty spot on, pretty accurate as far as who you're targeting. Um, in Facebook, it's going to be a little bit different because you can't, specify people who have searched need or looking for a roommate. Right. And it's really hard to tell when people are moving and need a new roommate. Yeah. So what, what I'll use Facebook at is, you know, part of our big strategy is content is really engaging, uh, relevant content. Mm-hmm. And so what we'll do is, um, I'll promote good content that I feel like if it's seen once it'll, uh, and we have something else that comes across your timeline you'll watch it again because you know we're not wasting your time with, right. um, you know, kind of boring stuff. I can imagine uh, Facebook, you know, uh, around the start of maybe a college semester, you know, fall or spring semester or something like that at the beginning, probably Facebook ads to college students would be, it'd be interesting to see what the result on on those type ads. But it's, uh, as you mentioned, really hard to get super uh, specific and hone in on that audience with, uh, with Facebook. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit different for ours, I think, than, um, than possibly some business, some businesses, but like if we have a, a an article in the school newspaper in Seattle, uh, or, or, or let's say at Arizona state, if I promote it down for people who are fans of ASU, who go to ASU, who are between this age range, like that makes a lot of sense because even if they're not using it, if they see it, chances are either either they'll need a roommate or someone they know will need a roommate. And it's something that's just being talked about, which I, I think initially for a startup, you just want people to talk about. Right. So I got to ask you, and this is a big question that so many people want to know is, OK, so what's your revenue model on something like this um, as you build it? Or is there uh, a direct 
a monet I guess is there a direct monetization model or is it indirect through ads or things like that? How are you uh, building revenue on this particular application? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a big question. Um, so our app is completely free. Our biggest competitor is Craigslist, and um, to compete with Craigslist, you have to at least match them right. early on. So, you know, right now we're building our, our brand, our user base, um, really gaining as much credibility in the space as we can. Um, we don't want to have ads on our app or anything like that. Yeah. I feel like it kind of cheapens it for, mm-hmm. for, what, for what our app does. Yep. Um, so what we're doing is we're looking to add value-added services to renters. And um, that can mean a few different things as far as, um, helping them find apartments, housing, uh, processing rent payments. Um, there's a lot of different mm. directions we can we can yeah. go. Yeah. Um, but once you build that that user base and that scale, you actually have leverage to work with um, things like landlords, property managers who need to get their vacancies filled. Right. Um, and and having experience in outside sales, where I was cold calling businesses, and we were talking about. Uh, how many leads are they going to get for how much money? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know if we have data and if we have people using the app um, who are looking for places, that's going to be a re- really appealing pitch to close a deal with, um, mm-hmm. you know, really big apartment complexes that have uh, rental turnover all the time. Right. So the, uh, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not, uh, coming anytime soon because there's a lot of legwork that goes behind that. Absolutely. Um, so I think what, what what we're playing is more the long game. Um, and that's that's the way that we've chosen to go for now. Well, you're be, you're doing one of the most important things early on, and that's in building your list because as the old saying is, the, the money's in the list. And once you build a list of subscribers and people that have are, uh, are really using uh, your app, that's you know, down the road as you build that, uh, that's when you can start thinking. And I think that's a mistake. You know, it's it's important you say that because I think too often people want to monetize too soon and they make the mistake of trying to, um, you know, slap ads up on whether it's a, they're launching a new site or new application. Uh, they want to make money as soon as possible and they end up turning off a lot of their you know, their customer base or their subscribers just because they've, they've gone at it way too soon and you got to build the trust. You, you mentioned that, and that's a very important thing. You mentioned that early on, you got to build your users trust first and foremost and, uh, and really get their trust on board. And then, and then you can down the road, you can start looking at that. But first and foremost, you really got to get, you know, create that user experience, get them on board, really, you know, build that list, and then you can look at something, you know, down the road. But I, I think you're right. People people jump on and try to monetize too fast, you know, too soon, too fast. And it often backfires. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure you, you have more experience than I do. But like um, I, for our product, ads are not the way to go, at least in my opinion. Right. Um, if you have something that's not like network effect related, so something like a game or a calendar or uh, something pretty utility where it doesn't matter how many people in the world are using it as long as you like it. Right. Um, I feel like I feel like ads are probably good for stuff like that. But when you're building out like a, a marketplace, 
and customer experience is like super important, especially early on. You don't want to um, diminish the product or the brand with cheap ads for Candy Crush and, and, or and Clash of Clans. Right. You know, that's not that's not what I want my business <laughs> to be built off of. So what what's your long term vision of this? I you know you mentioned down the road of uh, creating additional. Uh, value-added services that you could add in there. But long-term, what, in your sense, as the founder and the CEO, uh, what is your long-term vision? Is it mainly to build the value up and maybe one day at some point sell or, you know, hold on as long? I mean, what do you, do you think about that? Or is that something that crosses your mind? Or is it your focus really on um, the immediate right now, which is just building this, you know, you know, building this thing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's definitely on on the um, immediate part. Yeah. Um, because I've been, I mean, like I like I told you, I've been working on this for almost two years, mm-hmm. and we only got a product out four four and a half months ago. Yep. So uh, I <laughs> it, uh, like early on is really easy to look ahead right oh we can get bought by this company or we'll just be valued at this in five <laughs> years uh you know just kind of crazy games you play like sure. oh we won the lottery right right, right. but um it, it's it's one of those things to where like if if you keep working really really hard then you'll actually then that'll be a good problem yeah. um for you to have Absolutely. whether you want to sell or whether you just want to keep building it and make mm-hmm. it like the next great company and I, I'd prefer to do the latter. Um, however, circumstances will, will, you know, will vary. Definitely. So, um, you know, for now we're just focused on that. And if, uh, you know, selling makes sense, we'll sell. And if keep building it and making mm-hmm. it into something that like literally changes the way people rent, I, then that's a good way to go as well. So how many people on your team right now again? We, we have three people on three people and so everybody that and that's you included so you all pretty much I guess everybody is kind of has their regular job outside of this that they're really using to kind of fund until you know you guys are able to um, you know fund this thing down the road yeah but so so at the start, startup I worked at, yeah. I, I knew I'd get to a point to where I'd have to quit and work on this full time. Um, because right. so much of it is based on marketing. Like, um, you know, if there's only five people looking for a roommate in Seattle, it doesn't matter how cool my app is yeah. because really it, it sucks. There's only five people who I could be potentially roommates with. Right. And so that's, you know, time is so important when you're, when, when you're marketing as far as, being able to put out as much stuff as you can to the relevant audience. Yep. So when, while I was working at my job, I'd get, you know, um, I'd make base salary and then I'd make some pretty good uh, commission checks. Yep. And so um, living at my mom's, I saved up as much as I could, knowing that I would need runway um, from the point to where I stopped working to the point where, um, you know, we would be looking to raise money and this looked like a, like a, a viable business. Right. And so, um, it's, it's all been self-funded. It's all been, um, you know, years, years in the making really. So what are some of the biggest lessons that you maybe can share for anybody looking to 
to create a startup? I mean, you're kind of in the stages right now. Anything that you would do different in terms of, um, you know, development, in terms of marketing, in terms of uh, getting this off the ground any sooner? Um, anything that you've learned that you can share that would be valuable to people that are listening who have kind of an idea that they're think they're you know, they're tinkering with and saying, you know, I, I really want to take this to development or I really want to launch this. Maybe you can share some, some, uh, just some feedback or just some insights based on your experience. Yep. I got a couple things written down. Um, the first is something I had to learn, um, which is if you can't explain your product in 140 characters or less, it's too confusing. Um, not That's only good. to press or to your parents, it's too confusing. And, and if, and if, and you know, I can think of any product off the top of my head and you could pretty easily describe it in 140 characters or less. What, when I was first pitching my product, I was pitching maybe 10,000 or 10,000 characters or less. <laughs> and people were like, uh, <laughs> I don't really right. get it. So what do you want me to build? Right. Um, and that's when it, it, you know, by making it concise and being like, we're Tinder for finding roommates. Like, sure. That just makes sense to people. Right. They get it right away. Yep. And not every product's going to be like that, obviously, um, especially if you have more of like a, you know, SaaS company. But, um, you know, if, it's, if you can't fit it, if, if people can't uh, understand it, uh, smart people in 140 characters or less, you need to start smaller. That's true. Um, Start smaller, so so you know the development costs and time are less. Less, so that's really the first big lesson I learned. Mm -hmm. um, the second are is in terms of hiring and finding people to work with. Mm. Um, I think it, it's super important when when I talk to people now. It's less of like, can you help me build my product, and it's more. Of, can I help you get to where you want to go? Because if you're someone who doesn't want to work a nine to five, if you're someone who wants to, you know, have the ability to retire on the beach or uh, whatever it is, like, I think I can possibly help you do that if you're talented and I want to work with you. Um, and so finding, finding people who, um, or, or, you know, I, I'm working with a girl right now who's making these awesome uh, roommate videos. They're called Ask Amelia. And so uh, what she wants to do is like, she just wa she, she wanted to be on camera um, and she's uh, incredible. She's incredible. But I, I, I knew I could help her do that. I could help get her face seen. And, um, you know, it, it, it's less about helping me and it's more like, how can I help you? Um, so that's the second thing. Um, because it, it just kind of changed the tone of the conversations, knowing that I'm helping people get to where they want to go. And if they want that help, this might work out well. If they have totally different ideas of what they want to do with their life, um, it, it may not be a fit. So, Absolutely. Um, that was the second thing. And then I think the, the third thing is um, it's really just such a, a test of, of faith and patience um, and, and grit. Um, you know, I, I think entrepreneurship, there's like, if you're someone who gets super excited by instant gratification, 
you're going to like learn early on that's not how this game works. Um, things take months and months and years to build, and it usually takes a lot longer than you expect. Um, I had one of my uh, entrepreneur mentors tell me things take at least three times longer than you expect. <laughs> and early on, early on, Jonathan, it was like it was probably five x, not three. So, I mean, um, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're optimistic, and that's really good. But things take lot longer than we think um, because the logistics are hard and um, when you don't see traction right away if it's easy to be like oh it's not working I should quit um, that sort of thing but if if you know what you're doing works if you've gotten good feedback from it if you know maybe you just need to put in some more time or contact the right people um, I think you'll you know you'll, you'll see that success it won't be right away but it's something that um, that comes, you know, and, and what I call it is, um, it, after a book I read called the compound effect where, you know, Oh yeah. I love that book. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, you know, if I make 99 phone calls, uh, sales calls and none of them result in sales, that hundreds may be the sale. And I just have to get through the first 99. Absolutely. And I feel like that's the way it is. That's the way it is with startups. You work 14 hours a day. And the next day, you don't even see any of it uh, result in positive, uh, <laughs> positive work, and it, it seems crazy, you know. So um, you just gotta keep going. Absolutely, that is so true. Life of an entrepreneur, and and um, you know what is is uh, that that may scare off a lot of people, but you know, people like us, we love that stuff. So yeah, not not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, it's been a pleasure, Paul. I really appreciate you uh, joining me today. You've shared some really great uh, lessons, and, and I really would love to revisit you down the road and, and uh, see how things are going. And I appreciate you coming on and being forthright and uh, really sharing some your story and uh, sharing some lessons along the way. How can people find out more about um, um, you know the, uh, the Rent Hoop? And how can people find, what's the best place to find it? How can people get signed up? And, and uh, if you would share that and uh, we'll promote it, definitely. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, renthoop.com, R-E-N-T-H-O-O-P.com. And that's also our Twitter um, and Facebook handle. And then our Instagram handle is renthoop app. Um, so that's where you can find all stuff renthoop. And um, for anybody who listens to the show who wants to talk, um, you know, any young entrepreneurs out there who kind of going through something similar to what I uh, went through and, and, and still going through because I've a long, a, a long journey ahead of me. Sure. Um, but feel free to reach out, Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, my uh, handle is P as in Paul, uh, Burke, B-U-R-K-E, 24. Fantastic. And we'll be posting this, uh, when we get this out, we'll be posting on Twitter, tweeting out, we'll connect with you and definitely uh, share this. And uh, man, I appreciate you. uh, Appreciate your time today. It's been fantastic and look forward to getting this out and uh, definitely staying in touch. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan, for your time. Um, Really excited. I just got exposed to your podcast, but really excited to listen to more of them. Well, fantastic, man. Great to have you on as a listener and uh, look forward to, um, again, look forward to maybe touching base with you again down the road and kind of following up with this as it continues to grow. Um, I definitely see this 
as a success uh, along the way and, and being something that explodes because it's definitely something that people need and want uh, and it benefits them. Uh, you know, accordingly, because finding a roommate is a lot like finding someone uh, that you're, you know, you're wanting to find somebody that you're compatible with. Uh, and so the best way, you know, Craigslist is one of the worst ways I could imagine because you're, you're really touching base and you don't have a whole lot to go on. And this offers a great alternative. I wish I had had something like this when I was in college, for sure. I went through a few different roommates along the way. So, yeah. so hey, you're 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 hired. I like your pitch. Let's, let's get you on board. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Sign me up, Paul. It's been great, man. Hey, take care. Listen, have a great week, and um, again, look forward to staying in touch, man. All right, thanks, man. Take care.